Saturday scrimmage showed Auburn can win with any of the three quarterbacks. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us every single Monday, excuse me, Lindsey Crosby of AuburnDaily.com, as well as a million other places. And Lindsey, obviously the scrimmage this past Saturday was a big deal. We'll recap that as well as another big commitment that Auburn added to their 2024 class. Let's start with quarterbacks because that's what we do here, and that's what Auburn people can't quit talking about. But the battle between Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, and Holden Gariner continues to heat up as all three quarterbacks still in this race with mixed reviews pretty much across the board except for Holden Gariner. Really, honestly, it sounds like he won the day on Saturday. But... Lindsay, when you look at it, yesterday was that 10-day mark into fall camp where Coach Free said at media days they were going to cut it from three to two. I still believe, despite Holden Gurner winning on Saturday, that the two quarterbacks vying for the top spot will be Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne. And right now, I'm a little hinting towards that order, actually. Yeah, it's, it's something, when you look at what happened at the scrimmage. And and obviously we weren't there, but there was plenty of people who were, all the former Letterman were invited to come out and things like that. It was very mixed on mo- on both Thorne and Ashford, right? There was things that they loved. There was things that they didn't. Yeah. And I found it really interesting where Hugh Freeze had mentioned, talking to the media afterwards, that he they thought they had the decision made going into Saturday. And then they said, we got to go check some more film and reevaluate stuff. And so I think, I think you feel good about what Holden Gariner can do if he has to be the starter because of some sort of injury situation or something like that. But I'm with you. I think it's probably going to end up being down to Thorne or Ashford, but they've both showed that they have traits that can help this team win. And so I almost don't necessarily think it matters who the quarterback is as far as the floor of this team. I think really the difference would be what's the ceiling with each guy. Yeah, and and I think all three of these guys, Auburn can get bowl eligible with all three of them. Should that be the goal for an Auburn football program? No, you you need to shoot for better than bowl eligibility, but I think Auburn wins six games at least with all three of these quarterbacks, which is a unique situation because they couldn't win six games with any of their quarterbacks a year ago. I think Robbie Ashford has grown as a quarterback. I think he'll excel in this offense. I think Peyton Thorne has done it at Michigan State. And I think Holden Gurn are maybe the best pure passer of the room. So all, all thumbs up to, to all three of those guys. But I think when you look at what happened on Saturday, and this is all kind of hearsay, it's all speculation, but I did have more conversation with people throughout the weekend and got more information since we put up yesterday's show that recapped specifically the scrimmage. A lot of Holden's success came from the twos and threes. And he did run with the ones and they scored, but I was told they ran it six times in a row with Jeremiah Cobb before they started passing it and then ultimately scored a touchdown. And Jeremiah Cobb sounds like he was very electric, too. He's kind of a running back that we didn't talk about a ton. Um, But 
whatever. We'll, we'll talk about running backs down the road, I'm sure. But so when you look at it, Robbie Ashford had the throw of the day to Nick Mardner. Yesterday, I said some people told me Coy Moore. Coy Moore, I don't think, played yesterday. So it was to Nick Mardner. Just a quick correction there. And that shows the upside of Robbie Ashford. The interesting thing about this is we don't have full context for any of these. And, and I think specifically was Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne did not score a touchdown yesterday, but we did talk about how there were two passes that were dropped, one by Jay Fair, one by Rivaldo Fairweather, according to sources. And it's like, if one of those is caught, is the narrative any different at all coming out of Saturday? And, and I don't know the answer to that, Lindsay. My gut says yes, a little bit. Uh, but still, the question is, still, so do you take Robbie Ashford's upside or... Peyton Thorne's stable floor. I, I don't know the answer to that. And I think the point you made about if one of those two passes gets caught kind of explains why when Hugh Freeze was talking about it, he wasn't going over stats. He was saying we have to watch the film because it's yeah. so much, it's the process, right? It's not the results. You know, if, I mean, you can't just solely grade Peyton Thorne on was that pass caught or not. Because if he makes the right read, he makes a good pass, and it's dropped, it's battle away, whatever, that's not necessarily his fault. And so I think that that kind of lends to, okay, we're going to figure out what actually happened. We're going to watch the film, and they know by now. I mean, it's it's Monday morning, and they, they've already done all this. Probably Saturday night, they watch it all and get it done. Sounds with. like there was a team session Saturday night and a team session Sunday morning. There you go. But like, it's it's very much... You can't just look at the stats like you know, like you said. It's it's the throw that Ashford made, best throw of the day, best throw of last season was a Robbie Ashford pass at the Iron Bowl there in the corner of the end zone. So we know the talents there, but right. the processes that were outside of that highlight play were they correct? And then for Peyton Thorne, didn't have that highlight play, but how were his processes? How were his decisions? How was the ball placement? And I don't envy this coaching staff because this is a very high-profile quarterback competition, and there's a, a a segment of fans who think Peyton Thorne was brought in to be the starter. There's a segment of fans that think Robbie Ashford showed last year he has the fight and should have it, and everybody else is just kind of waiting to see what happens. And it's, it's a tough place to be, but the good news is you can win with any of these guys, and I think that's probably the biggest takeaway for me from the scrimmage. Yeah, and, and it also sounds like Robbie Ashford's decision-making was there, which that's been kind of one of the parts of his game where they questioned a little bit. But it sounds like there was a moment where he did a certain read and it was a positive gain. And the coaching staff asked him, why did you make that read? And he he shared the detail of why it was the correct read. And there was some pushback and other players backed up Robbie and they said, oh, OK, cool. I couldn't see it from my angle. So props to Robbie for kind of commanding this offense. And I think that's something that is going to help him potentially beat out Peyton Thorne before it's all said and done. I think what came out of the scrimmage Saturday really legitimized the battle between Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne. I'm not saying that Robbie is going to win it. I'm not saying that Peyton is going to win it. But I do think this certainly is a battle. I know there's certainly a narrative, and, and I subscribe to it. I totally get the fact that, okay, do you bring in a guy like Peyton Thorne to sit on the bench? And naturally, my answer is no. But I think it's refreshing that this coaching staff, they're actually letting them play. And they're actually letting them compete. And I think that's a situation that we haven't really seen before. Yeah, a a, a true competition. We saw yeah. quarterback battles with Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood. And it's like, well, it's a quarterback battle, but 
we all understand what's going to happen here. This legitimately Jared feels. Jared and Sean White was the one before that. It's oh, yeah. like, was it, was it you brought in Jared for a certain reason? Totally. Yeah, I mean, whenever there's a transfer quarterback coming in, it's one of those, like, the, the assumption is you got him for a reason. But this is because it's a new coaching staff, because it's a new offensive scheme, and the fact that Robbie Ashford has more time in it than Peyton Thorne does. He went through spring yeah. practice and everything. I think that makes it a legitimate competition. And either way, it's just going to make both of these guys into better players for Auburn in 2023. I think the biggest concern that popped up from Saturday was Auburn's rush defense. Is it actually okay? We discuss next right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find those qualified candidates. All you have to do is head over to linkedin.com slash college and their, their tools that they can put in front of you, and there are millions and millions of users, um, it, it'll set you up quickly. Post your job for free, linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Lindsey Crosby, our guest today, is Auburn's rush defense okay? As live updates kind of leaked out of the scrimmage, it was seemed like it was big run after big run after big run. It was Brian Batte early. Then Damari Austin got involved. Jarquez Hunter. Sounds like Sean Jackson had a big one. And then it also sounds like Jeremiah Cobb uh, was explosive as well. And there's a lot of people that talk about how bad Auburn's rush defense was a year ago. And Lindsay, I actually think I did this show with you months ago addressing this because, yes, statistically, Auburn was one of the worst in the conference at rushing yards allowed per game. They allowed 172 yards on the ground just for comparison's sake. Um, Georgia allowed 77, Tennessee allowed 111, Alabama, Missouri were in the 120s, Mississippi State and Kentucky were in the 140s. So Auburn's in the 170s, only three or four teams were worse than them as far as average yards, um, rushing yards allowed per game. So then you bring in Ron Roberts, and Baylor was third in the Pac-12 in rushing yards allowed per game. And so hopefully that scheme helps you a little bit because it's not like Baylor was out talenting a lot of people in the Big 12. So I think that's certainly encouraging. But also, the numbers that Auburn put up last year, the defense was on the field all the time. And I just don't really know what you were supposed to do. And also, the old staff, they didn't really rotate a lot of guys, particularly in the front seven, as much as this staff is going to, we assume. So while that is true statistically, I don't think it was as bad as some Auburn fans are making it out to be. Another factor in that is the game situation. In so many games that Auburn's losing late, they're facing more running plays than they typically would if the game was close or if the, if the other team was behind. So, the, you know, sure. the, the offensive environment you're in, the game situation you're in, it's, it's like that old thing where they said, oh, yeah, if a running back carries the ball 30 times in the, in the NFL, his team has like a 700 winning percentage. Well, it's like, well, yeah but they're usually carrying the ball a lot because they're already winning the game. Same thing. I feel like it, there's so much here to not know about. How much better is Auburn's offensive line? You brought in probably more top-quality offensive line transfers than any other school in the country because you had the playtime, because you lost a bunch of guys, and the other guys who were here weren't necessarily that great. 
you have a bunch of dynamic running backs. You've really recruited the running back position very well. That's probably the one position in the last decade that has not been hurting for top end talent like every other position. It feels that like on corner. this roster. Yep, that in corner. Absolutely. That in corner, yeah. And so some of it is how much of it is that? How much of it is adjusting to the defensive scheme? Because we understand Ron Roberts has a lot of demands from his players in the scheme. And whenever you're doing the reacting, right? Whenever you're the defense, you're having to react to what the offense does. There's a little bit of lag there. And the more you're having to think about what you're supposed to do, the bigger it gets. But either way, I feel like Auburn has the pieces to have a good rush defense. And I think the big question is going to end up being, how do you balance the need of... You can stack the box with a thousand pounds of all of defensive linemen, which is probably three three guys, to stop the run versus ensuring you have the the guys on the field to rush the passer. Because yeah. a lot of your guys right now, a lot of your transfers that came in are role players, are uh, you know guys who are going to contribute but are not true stars that can do some of both. And so yeah. that's the big question here. That I don't think we're going to get an answer to for a couple weeks into the season, really. Well, it sounds like the reports of the defensive line are fine. A lot of these busted runs were busted coverages to the outside, busted assignments to the outside, rather. And a lot of this was, you know, failing to keep containment. And some of that goes to a jack linebacker. Sometimes it's a nickel. Sometimes it's a true linebacker. It kind of varies based on, you know, whatever kind of package or, or, or play that they're running on the defensive side of the football. And that's what we saw at 8 day. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, sounds like that's what happened on Saturday. I mean, I, I'm all okay with you know a guy getting beat on a certain play, and you know you get a crease in an A gap, and you know you, you you maybe a guard gets on a linebacker, and all of a sudden it's an 18 yard run. And it does sound like that happened. It sounds like Jarquez Hunter was the author of that book. But a lot of these with Brian Banty and Damari Austin, they were outside. And another thing, and this is not to take anything away from Damari Austin, but it sounds like when he had his 50-plus yard touchdown run that there was a play prior to that where there was kind of a questionable, like, did he catch it or not? And the coaches just wanted there to be paced, so they like gave him the, they gave him the catch without reviewing it because you're not going to review something in a scrimmage. And the defense wasn't set. And so that was a tempo thing. And so, like, do you want to put that on the defensive players individually? I don't know. I don't know. And then obviously, you know, Damari made some guys miss in the secondary that had angles on them. But all in all, I think a lot of context is needed to just kind of, for so many people to say the rush defense stunk and it's going to stink this year. I don't think that's entirely fair, Lindsay. Yeah, that's a very simplistic kind of reduction of what we externally heard about from the scrimmage combined with what we saw last year under a different scheme, different yeah. players, different coaches. It, 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 I have more hope based on the players that you brought in, the players that you retained. Like, it's hard for me to think that uh, you can keep this defensive line, you know, some of these guys that you have a Jason Jones in the middle and be a bad rush defense. It's hard for me to think about knowing how many D1 transfers you brought in whether it's Messiah Nassili Kite, uh, Lawrence Johnson, like all these different guys that you brought in to play inside, you kept Marcus Harris. It's hard to just think, oh, it's going to be bad because of that. Now, you had a lot of turnover at linebacker. You mentioned linebacker was potentially one of the reasons why you lost outside contain. And that too, 
A lot of new guys coming in, learning schemes, some changing positions, some youth with Keldrick Falk. So I'm not worried about it yet. I do think it's something, if you start seeing it in the first couple weeks, it's like, okay, now we have to get this fixed before we get into the conference schedule. But as of now, you, sh- you have the guys to take care of that problem between now and the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like Lawrence Johnson is having a very good fall camp. Let's um, let's just kind of point him out. Let's don't let him fly under the radar. So if you see Lawrence Johnson popping early in the season and getting more reps, old number 92, uh, don't be surprised because it, I'm hearing really, really good things about him. 62310 out of Purdue. And it feels like every season there's that guy that transfers in that is just assumed he's going to be a depth piece. And Marcus Bragg is a great example of this last season. A guy that is like, okay, he's probably, you know, third string, second string, whatever. And whether it's ability, whether it's injury, that player gets put into a bigger role and just flourishes. We saw Ekuliota do it. We saw Marcus Bragg do it. Lawrence Johnson could potentially be that guy, not to do the same thing that Leota and Bragg did, but be that guy who transfers in as an upperclassman from Purdue. And, I mean, he had... He had eight, seven and a half tackles for loss, 88 tackles for Purdue. He's not a bad player. It's just a, will he get a chance? And like like you've said, everything we've heard is that he's been yeah. really impressive so far in fall camp. Did a lot of shade nose type stuff with Purdue. He's going to play a lot of three technique defensive tackle stuff for Auburn. So we'll see if that all translates. But didn't hear anything about him in the spring. Sounds like you kind of took him a second to kind of get going. But yeah, props to him. Solid fall camp for him, and he'll help with that rush defense. Auburn adds a big body uh, to the 2024 class. We discuss TJ Lindsay next, right here on Locked On Auburn. Want to encourage you to join the Locked Auburn Discord. It is free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. Easy to get in contact with me. Lindsay, any of the folks that pop on this show regularly, they are all in there and happy to interact and chit-chat with you and answer your questions. Lindsay, Auburn adds TJ Lindsay. Y'all spell it differently. He spells it wrong. Um, I'll let you take that up with him. I'm certainly okay. not going to correct him. <laughs> Very big-bodied kid. You know, he's an Arkansas product. He has transferred to IMG Academy, you know, the football factory that is IMG Academy. And so we'll certainly see what kind of production he has there at the highest level of high school football in the country. But this is a position of need for Auburn's 2024 class. You know, all these guys that we're talking about on the defensive line, Lawrence Johnson, uh, Masai Nasili Kite, Jason Jones, Marcus Harris, not a whole lot of eligibility left when you talk about these guys. And so uh, the path to playing time for him is going to be pretty quick. Uh, same with Malik Blockton, another defensive lineman in this 2024 class. But TJ Lindsay picking Auburn over Texas. Um, very few schools are recruiting better than Texas over the last few years. So this is a big win, Lindsay. And uh, one, it's a good player. Two, it's a pipeline potential uh, for IMG. You beat out Texas. Uh, there's a lot to like about this. That's the, like the pipeline aspect was the thing that I was thinking about is IMG. I mean, people who don't really follow high school football at all know IMG Academy because they play multiple games on ESPN every year because they travel the country and play the best football teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And it is, I mean, I've, I've driven past the campus. It's a massive campus, very nice facilities, very well funded that they do a great job of developing these football players uh, and other sports to get them to the next level. And so getting that guy now, you already have a commitment from him. He is there now. You have time 
to, as long as you pour into him of your culture, you have time for that to come out to his teammates, to the coaches, and build that relationship. Because it just, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like having a good relationship with the high school that has the most talented football players in the country would be a good thing. I don't, not a recruiting expert, but feels like that's probably a pretty good start. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that for sure. So Auburn's still 14th in the on three class rankings, but I do think it's interesting. So Auburn has two five stars and nine four stars, five three stars, but ahead of them is Notre Dame with zero five stars and 13 four stars. That's not a better class. They've got six more guys in their in their class. I, I just don't think that that's a better class right now. Auburn, um, Auburn has a significantly better average player ranking than them. Oregon's two spots ahead of them at twelve with zero five stars and thirteen four stars. They have five more players total because of those eight three stars. I don't think that's a better class. Clemson, they're at eleven. I feel like they should be higher. They've got a solid class, but then like Penn State. No five stars, 15 four stars, nine three stars. I mean, they've just got a full class already. So I think over the course of the next few, yeah, Michigan's in a similar situation. So Auburn's going to continue to rise, but that average player ranking, Auburn is fifth right now, which is exactly, I mean, that's exactly what I think we need to be looking for. And I think that metric, we talk about it all the time, but that metric in this transfer portal era, when all of these teams are going to have different amounts of kids coming in through the high school level because it used to be everybody gets a close to 25. Now it's going to be varying based on uh, you know how active you need to be in the transfer portal. And so Auburn's still in a great spot, a much better spot than I thought they would be in at this time of year. Yeah, and a, a couple non-ranking uh, things to make you feel good about this, this class. The average number of commits per class, according to on three on their rankings, is 16. So Auburn is, we're not behind on the size of the class. Mm. But when you look at the teams in front of us, like you said, for the most part, it's teams that have 21, 24 recruits. And if you look at number of five stars, Auburn is tied for fourth place in the country behind Georgia, Ohio State, and somehow Florida State has three five stars, according to on three. But uh, outside of that, like Auburn is right there behind them with the two five stars. And that's just a place Auburn has not been in a while. Yeah, and I mean, you just got to think, like, what if that K.J. Bolden recruitment would have gone the other way? You know, obviously, he picked Florida State, which... Still He's got time. He's got time yeah. to change his mind. Maybe. Maybe. That one feels more done than the Cam Coleman one to me. Yeah. I don't know why I feel that way. Just kind of a gut feeling. But you're right. It's it's not done. Long way to go until December. Lindsay, how can people check out everything that you've got going on right now, man? Uh, tons of stuff. It all runs through Crosby Baseball on Twitter, whether it's Auburn Baseball, AuburnDaily.com, whether it's Minor League Baseball, Locked in MLB Prospects, the number one daily Minor League Baseball podcast, or Major League Baseball, BravesToday.com. You can follow me on socials at Z Blackerby, and please, please, please click that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Until then, it'll be a Charlie Tuesday tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.